We're going to hopefully be at a prayer section next week in chapter 5. And today we're in the first five verses of 1 John 5. So 1 John chapter 5, first five verses here this morning. Let me read those to you and we will pray and get started. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Father, we ask that today you would uh, speak to us through your spirit, through your word, uh, Father, through uh, this sermon. Father, we ask that you would clear our minds of distraction and that we might hold fast to the word this morning. Father, I pray that you would convict us in those areas that we are being disobedient or rebellious in ways that we don't love you as we ought to love you. Father, we invite that into our lives. We ask you for that. We want you to do that. We want you to point out our sin that we might repent, that we might grab on to the gospel. Father, that we would receive your refreshing and your renewing this morning. Father, we pray that you would help us to overcome the world, to obey your commands, to love our brother and sister well. And to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, um, did, when I read the passage, let me, let me just start here. When I read the passage, did, did, you, did you get lost? Let me ask you that, okay? So five verses, not a long passage at all. But I, but I wonder if, you know, the way that my brain works is we kind of try to connect things together kind of in a logical order, you know? I mean, that's kind of the way our... Our, our mind works, and whenever I read these first five verses of chapter five, my mind starts to get lost. I start to to I can't connect all the dots. Uh, it's hard, I think. Okay, and so uh, maybe maybe not for you, but but it has been for me. And so one of the things that has helped me uh, this week is I've tried to draw this out. Okay, I'm not an artist. You're you're not going to be impressed, so don't don't get your hopes up. Okay, I don't mean like draw a picture or anything. I, but I, but I try to have like a flow chart. Like how what is he saying here? What connects to what? Okay, and so that, that has been helpful for me, and I would like to try to do that for you. Now, let me, let me preface this by saying, throughout the week, I've drawn probably 10 of these, and they're different, all right? And so, by no means what I'm about to draw is it's not inspired, okay? This is not, you know, oh, okay, no, 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 no. This is just one way that I've come to terms of thinking about what John is saying. It helps me to have a visual, okay? So hopefully this is not a distraction. Hopefully it helps and doesn't make it worse, um, but I, I think it will. I, I hope it will, okay? So let's try, to, let's try to get down just in our minds what John is saying Uh, in this passage. Okay, so let's begin with verse 1. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Okay, let's stop right there. And uh, here's what what we're going to do. We're going to draw a big circle, okay? And this circle represents salvation, all right? So if you're outside the circle, you're not saved. You're not born again, okay? If you're inside the, the, the circle, then you are what John calls born of God, okay? So that's what 
the inside of the circle represents, okay? So at one time, I was outside of the circle before I was 18. I was outside the circle, did, did not have the Spirit of God, did not have the nature of God, did not have faith in Christ. I was outside, but, but May 1990, I was born of God, okay? The, the, the Spirit of God brought me to life. It's called regeneration, and so I'm inside the circle in this, this circle here, okay? So I'm born of God represents salvation. It represents the new birth, okay? Being connected to the resurrected Jesus. Jesus is life. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Jesus is life. And so when you are connected by faith to Jesus, now you have life. You come to life. Ephesians 2 says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Something inside of you dead, non-responsive to God. Don't understand God. Don't know God. Don't love God. Don't see his glory. But when you come to believe, can be connected to Christ by faith, you are born of God. When you're born of God, you come to believe. Okay? So, so, so born of God represents being connected to Jesus in his life forevermore being saved, being a Christian, however you want to phrase it, okay? Now, what's clear here is that born of God is vitally connected to believing, right? So go back to verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, okay? So if you're born of God, you believe, okay? If you believe, you're born of God. You can't separate those two. Nobody's born of God and doesn't believe. Okay? There's nobody who believes and is not born of God. All right, So those two are vitally connected. So we're going we're gonna to write believe right here at the top. Okay, So that's going to be our vital connection to being born of God. That's how a person is born of God. When born, a person is born of God, they believe. All right, So there's a, a vital connection between faith. Okay, between faith, that's, that's what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you've been saved through faith, okay? We're connected to Jesus through the thread of faith, trusting, depending, embracing Jesus for all that he is, all that he will be, all that he said, okay? Now, let's keep reading. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's where we are so far. Now, notice the next phrase. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. All right, now we've got a new phrase here, loves the Father. Now, the interesting thing about what the way John writes is he assumes, okay, he, he almost assumes that we don't need to make this connection for you, and I think he's probably right. Uh, we assume that if you are born of God, if you're, if you're God's child, if you're adopted in the family, if you're joined to Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you believe, okay, he assumes that you will indeed, that you will indeed love God, Okay. Uh, what did Jesus say? The greatest commandment was what? Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's, that's the greatest commandment. And so John makes a vital connection between believing and loving the Father. So faith in God produces a love for the Father. Now let's hang out there for just a second, okay? So for just a second, let's think about this, how, how believing, how, how putting your faith in Christ, putting your faith in God creates a love for God. And I guess the question that I would press on you this morning is how could it not? Okay? How could it not? You know, uh, there, there's, there's, there's something really messed up in, in, in a person's uh, faith system. If, if, if their belief, if their faith in Jesus Christ does not produce an affection for the Father, does not produce a love for God, does not produce a worshiping spirit, does not produce an a admiration, a, a desire for the things of God. 
Okay, so, so my question is, how could it not, okay? So if you believe that God is who he says he is, okay? So who, who, who do we know God to be? Well, he's creator. He's the giver of every good gift. That's what James 1 says. He's the one whose who's, who's very presence, Psalm 1611, is fullness of joy and pleasures for everyone. He's the one who is holy, who is good, who is power, who is majesty, who is full of grace and mercy. If you believe that, how can you not? Love him. Does that make sense? If you believe that, that he's done what he says. So if you believe that he is who the Bible says he is. okay. Now if you believe that he's done what the Bible says he has done. Which is what? That he has loved you even in your rebellion. And sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. To take upon himself the guilt and the punishment and the wrath of God for your sins. Your wicked deeds. Your foolish acts. Your unholy thoughts. If you believe that Christ has put his righteousness. He has taken your sin away. And put his righteousness in your account. What is there in that that's not to love? Now, if you believe that God will do what he says he's going to do, future, okay? So, so far, if you believe that he is who he says he is, creator, redeemer, savior, okay, king, if you believe he's done what he says, that the Bible says he's done, which is the gospel, you know, died for, for your sins, brought to life, connected to you, Put righteousness in your account. Now, if you believe that God will do what he says he's going to do, that if you believe his promises of continual care over your life, he's going to work all things out for good. He's going to be with you always. He's going to lead you into future glory. He's going to make all things new. Again, what is there in all of that that is, is not to love, that is not to rejoice over? What is deficient? That would be my question to you. If you have no affection for God, if you come in here and there's no desire to worship as we worship together, there's no desire to, to, to praise, there's no desire to know God more, to see Him more, if there's none of that, then you, I, I, would just, I would press on, on this. What is it about God that you're not impressed with? Now see, it doesn't work for anything else, okay? What is it about me you're not impressed with? Well, should we do this alphabetically, or how should we make the list, you know? I mean, there's lots of stuff, right? What is it about you that we're all not impressed with? Well, you know, we don't want to hurt your feelings, so we're not going to tell you. It's not nice, but there's lots of things, right? Okay, that, you know, what is it about Oklahoma that you're not impressed with? Well, there's a few things, isn't there? You know, what is it about America you're not, I mean, it doesn't work, but, but it works for God. What is it about God that's not impressive? What what does he not come through with? What you know, scripture, you, what he's done, who he is, what he said, what he will do. I know you may have disappointments in your life. I know you may have rough times. You're like, you know, God, but but oh, you know, as you look at what he says he's going to do, what is deficient about his plan in anything? What's not to love? And and so so I think what John assumes here is that if you believe, now if you don't believe, Okay, now it's now 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 there's lots not to love, right? If you don't believe that he is who he says he is, if you don't believe that he is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, if you're like, no, no, he's not that. Now the world, you know, now now all, all this other stuff, that there's joy in that, but not in God. Now see, if you don't believe, if you don't believe the scriptures, what what he says he will do, what he says he's done. It, Okay, yeah, I can see why you don't love God. But if you, if you believe, if this here, if this piece of the puzzle is in you, if you believe, then that should result, respond in a love for God. Okay? So that's how we are so far. All right, so let's, let's keep going here. Uh, let's continue verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. There's salvation. Everyone who, who loves the Father. Okay, we just settled that. 
loves whoever has been born of him. All right, so, and have we not already hammered on this for like how long now? A year, huh? Right? So if you love God, what does John say? He says you are going to love brother, right? You're going to love brother. You're going to love one another, okay? There's a vital connection between those two. That's what John says. Let me read it again. Everyone who loves the Father, this is verse 1, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him, okay? Now, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time uh, on that anymore because John has made that so clear over the last several weeks uh, that love of the Father brings about a love for his children. That's how we love the Father, right? That's, that was the point last week. How, how are you going to love God? Are you going to give air hugs and send him a valentine, you know, kind of like to Santa at the North Pole, but to God in heaven? How are you going to do it? You're going to love his people. You're going to love his children. You're going to love those whom his spirit dwells, okay? So, so, so let, let, let me stop right here, though, and answer a question. I got, I got this question last week. Someone asked me this, and maybe you were wondering it too. Okay, so, so when John spends so much time all over uh, 420, let me read it. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he cannot see and cannot love God whom he has, whom he has not seen. Um, when it says brother there, does that mean we're only supposed to love Christians? Okay. First of all, it does not mean that, okay? Because as we look in the scriptures, we understand that, 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 that there's to be a special love between a Christian and another Christian, between a brother and a brother, a child of God and a child of God, okay? That, that is, is certainly true. However, as, as we walk through the scriptures, we see that we are also to love neighbor, okay? Now, who's your neighbor? Well, man, Jesus told a great story about that. Remember the Good Samaritan? Guy gets, you know, beat up, thrown in the ditch, robbed, he's bleeding, he's dying, you know, and here comes the priest, you know, should be his neighbor. He walks by on the other side, here comes the Levite, walks by on the other side, here comes the Samaritan, goes in the ditch, picks him up, you know, puts bandages up his wound, puts him on his donkey, carries him to the motel, you know, and Jesus ends that thing by saying, who is the neighbor, okay? Well, so who's your neighbor? Whoever's in need in front of you, Right? Whoever's in need in front of you. And so, all right, we are to love neighbor, and that's who neighbor is. In fact, Jesus went a step further, and he said, love your enemies. Remember that in Sermon on the Mount? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, and so, so certainly when John says, you know, loving God is loving your brother, he doesn't mean just stop, stop right there, you know. Make sure, man, if they're not in your church membership, then hey, they're, you, know, you, you can treat them however you want. No, 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 not at all, not at all. So, so there, there's an emphasis in the Bible that we're to love one another. Uh, however, there is a special emphasis on loving your brother, okay? Why? Well, lots of reasons. First of all, they are, they are, are the means of grace to you, and you are a means of grace to them. God has put us together in a church. Why? So that his grace would flow through me to you and through you to me. Okay, we, we're, we're, we're actually, we need each other. That's, that's the way Paul described it in 1 Corinthians 12. We really need each other as the body of Christ. We're, we're going to be a forever family, okay, a forever family. Like new heavens and new earth forever. When, when you love God's people, you're loving those who he loves. You're loving those whom Christ died for, those whom God put his spirit in. Okay, so, so there's a, an, a special press that if you love God, you're going to be drawn to a church, drawn to other believers, and you're going to love them. Galatians 6.10, I think, sums it up for me. It says, so then, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone. Do you hear that? Everyone. But then listen, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, okay? Especially to those 
of the household of faith. So what we find is we're to, we are to apply this, this law of love to everyone, but there is an especial press to those who are Christians. All right, let's keep drawing here. Let's go to verse 2. So by this, now he starts over, okay, by this, we know, he's given us proof again. John's all about proving something. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Okay, so we're right here. Love, brother. So John says what? By this, we're going to know. We're going to be sure that we, we do this, that we love our brother, that we love God's children when we do what? Love God, he goes right back to what it, where we just came from, and then he adds another dimension here. When we obey his commands. Okay. So, John is proving how do, how do, we, how do, we, love our, how do we know that we love our brother? We know that we love our brother when we love God. And when we obey his commands. Are you seeing why this is a little bit confusing already? There's more to come, so just just hold on. Okay, but let's take this a piece at a time. First of all, something new here, obey his commands. Okay? My handwriting's really bad. When I I turn around and look at it, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have had somebody else doing this for me. Um, So... New, something new, obey his commands. All right, and, and again, not, not really new because it's everywhere in the scriptures. Let me read you some. Okay, so John chapter 14, um, verse 15. Here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you hear that? So if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. John 14, uh, how about uh, 20, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, how about down in verse 23? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Okay, I mean, Jesus, Jesus says it like ten different ways, right? Okay, if there's a vital connection between loving, your bro- between loving God and obeying his commands. We've got to draw another line there, don't we? Sorry. So, so that's what John 14 is telling us is there's a vital connection between if you love God, you're going to obey his commands. John is saying we know how we love our brother. We know we're doing this right if we are obeying his commands and if we are loving God. Okay, so by this we know we love the children of God if we love God and obey his commands. Now, for most of the book, John's been proving how you know if you're born again. Okay? Now he's proven how do you know if you really love God, if you really love the children of God. There's lots of folks who would say, I'm very loving. I'm, I'm a good person. I love my neighbors. I'm friendly. I'm hospitable. I give lots of hugs. But I don't love God, and I don't keep his commands. Okay? There's a world full of people that say that. Okay? So there's a world full of people that say, I do this well. I love my brother. I'm a great neighbor. I'm Mr. Rogers. You would love to have me as your neighbor, okay? So there's a lot of people that say that, but then they'll come back and say, but I, but I don't love God and I don't obey his commands. Now, is that possible? I mean, John's just said it's not, but I'm asking you, is that possible to love your neighbor well, to love people well, and not love God or keep his commandments. And I would tell you, and I think John is making it very clear here, no, that's not possible, okay? The way that we love each other well is by loving God and by keeping his commandments. Okay, now why is that? Well, 
First of all, what kind of love has John been telling us to, to do? Okay, Is it the kind of love that just I have a warm sentiment toward you? You know, I feel real fuzzy toward you? No, 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 no. It, it is a practical, remember chapter 3, verse 16, 17, 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word or talk, but deed and truth. Okay, it's the kind of love that meets a need, okay? Well, here's the deal. If you don't love God and you don't obey His commands, you can't meet people's greatest needs. Does that make sense? You just can't. You can't be effective at that. You can't have a part in that. You can't help with that. In fact, you're only going to hurt with that. Okay, you, you can't meet the deepest needs of people if you don't love God and don't keep His commands. You can't give them the gospel. You can't show them Jesus. You can't speak truth in their life. You can't pray for them. You can't, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be used as a vessel of grace for other people if you don't love God and keep His commandments. Okay? Now listen, if I give my kids food and clothing, a nice home, a good education, a beautiful wedding, uh, but I never tell them and I never show them in my own life how they can escape the wrath of Almighty God and have fullness of joy and pleasures forever in a place called heaven, am I really loving them? Have I really met their deepest needs? And the same would be true of my friends or my neighbors. Okay? Now the other side of the coin is, is true as well. We've already talked about that. If I just speak truth and if i just you know tell them things but i don't show them with my life if i don't meet needs if i don't obey god's commands then then i'm not loving them either that, that that's what 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 first john 3 16 through 18 john's saying you got to do both you you've got to love god you got to obey his commands you've got to be that for people in order to really love them we love people by loving god and keeping his commands and if you're not keeping his commands are you really loving? First of all, if, if you're just not obeying the commands, okay? So think about this, okay? You're, you're not obeying God's command for, to be truthful, okay? You're not, you're not obeying God's command not to steal or lust or covet or adulter or kill. If you're not keeping his commandments, if you're not keeping his commands to forgive or to show grace or to bear with people or to, or, or to meet needs, if you're, if you're not obeying his commands, you're not loving people. Do you want the best? Valentine's Day, yesterday, all right? So this is a pertinent question, all right? You ready? Do you want the best possible marriage, okay? Do you want the best possible marriage? You know, there was a time where I, I, I thought everybody said yes to that. There, there was. I, there was a time where I, I, I really, in my heart, believed everybody's going to say yes to that. I want the best possible marriage. Actually, I've come to believe that not everybody wants that. Some people have become, they're, they're so hardened, they've been hurt so much, they, they, they've given up so many times, that they, they really don't want the best possible. They, they just want to get even, okay? So, man, I hope you're not in that camp. I, 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 all the time in marriage counseling, I turn to First Peter 3, where it says, you know, if you would love life and see good days, and I'm like, oh, isn't that right? Don't you want to love life? Don't you want to see good days? You know? And, and one of them's got veins showing in their neck. They're like, yeah, this is what they're doing. You know? And I can tell, no, they don't. They just want a revenge. They just want a gun. That's all they want. They don't really want to love life. But I'm, I'm taking for granted that you in here, there, there's many of you that would say, man, I want the best possible marriage, okay? So what do you need to do? First of all, do not go see Fifty Shades of Grey, okay, please? I, I, I told myself I was not going to rant about it, but it just it makes me angry. 
And, and so, so, okay, so let me just start there. Don't go see it, okay? Don't, just don't go watch. If someone gives it to you as in a DVD in six months when it comes out on DVD, if they give it to you, you need to go straight outside with your hammer, smash it up into little bitty pieces, scoop that up, take that to your cat litter box, okay, and, 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 and put it on the bottom of your cat litter box so your cat can do his business on it. That's what it's worth, okay? That, that's what it's good for. It's really the world's idea for you. This, this, is, this is how to have a great, I don't even know. Would they even say that? I mean, it's... Okay, I'm not going to rant about it. I'm not going to rant about it. All right, don't go see that. What are you going to do to have the best possible marriage? Well, you're according to Jesus, if I'm going to love, okay, Emma would be brother, right? <laughs> Interesting, right? Sister, okay? Emma would be fall into this category of loving your brother, okay? Loving the children of God, okay? So if I'm going to do that, what did John just tell me I've got to do? I've got to love God and obey his commands. That's how I love Emma. That's the best possible marriage is, is for me to do those things. Just imagine how that works out. Let me read you some commands, all right? The whole Bible's full of them, but let me just read you some and just say, okay, if, if I just scrapped the rest of the Bible and just obeyed the commands I'm about to read you, tell me what kind of marriage I'd have. Ready? All right, Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others, count Emma more significant than yourself. Let each of you, let me, look to her interests, but all, not, not, not my own interest, but to her interest, have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What have I obeyed? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. How about verse 29 of Ephesians 4? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, only such as is good for building up. Only speak words to Emma that are going to build up as fits the occasion that I may give grace to her, to those who hear. What if I just obeyed those commands? How about Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. How about uh, verse 28 and 29? In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church. How about just flip over a couple pages to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint, as if I would ever have a complaint about him, it never happened, but if it did, against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. How about just Matthew 7, 12? What if we just took this one? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's, that's the uh, golden rule. How about Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 15? says, uh, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal, fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, seek to show hospitality. What if I just obeyed those scriptures? Just those. What kind of marriage? Pretty awesome one. Right? So if I'm just loving God and just doing what he said, bam, I'm going to love her really well. That's it, right there. So, can you really love people if you're not loving God and obeying his commands? The world says yes. So, situation number one. I come across this very frequently. Young man, young woman, claim to be Christians. Start seeing each other, going to the movies, 
going out to lunch, to dinner, start having strong feelings, great admiration for one another, strong desires. And so they decide upon the counsel of the world and the example of all their friends to move in together and to start having a sexual relationship, thinking that most likely they're going to be married when the time is right. All right, this is our test case. So my first question, are they loving God? No. Why are they not loving God? You say, well, yes, they are. They, they, man, they listen to Christian music in their car, and they go to church, and they, man, they sing louder than anybody. Whoop. If I love God, what did John 14 say? I'm going to keep his commands. If I'm keeping his commands, I'm going to love God. But if I'm not keeping his commands, habitually, continually, then I'm not loving God. I don't trust him. Basically, I've said, God, you're not right. I don't believe you. Right? Because if I'm not keeping his commands, then I'm not loving him. If I'm not loving him, I'm not trusting him. Now, next question. Are they loving each other? Well, man, the guy texts her every morning, you know, precious Pooh Bear, you know, you are my love muffin. I mean, wow, could you get any more than that, huh? You know, I mean, he sends her, you know, he, he walks to work and picks a daisy out of the wild field and presses it together in his Hallmark card and sends it to her every day. Are they loving each other? No, they're not. No. Right? Because they can't. Because the Bible says, how do we know we're loving each other? We obey His commands and we love God. They're not doing either of those. So what's the result of that? Well, the result of that is they are taking each other by the hand and saying, let's go to hell together. That's, that's brutal, isn't it? But it is. I mean, they're, they're saying, let's live in a continual state of rebellion and sin against God. Let's live in unrepentance. Let's not listen to God. Let's not trust God. Let's, let's push Him out of our lives. That's not love. I'm not, would I be loving you if I did that? If I grabbed Tony and said, hey, Tony, let's me and you not obey God. Let's, let's go rob stuff. Let's go steal. Let's, let's go lie. Let's go cheat. Man, am, I, am I loving him? Am I doing what's best for him? Do I have his best interests in mind? You would say, absolutely not. But yet there's, there's a world full of people in just that situation are saying, yeah, we, we really love each other. Situation number two, a homosexual couple. Now, and I'm, not, I'm not picking, I'm just, these are, these are situations I deal with on a weekly basis. You deal with them on a weekly basis. And, and the world is telling us this couple really loves each other. What does John say about that? I'm not, I'm not offering my opinion. I'm just saying, what does John say about that? Well, John says, if, I, if we're going to love each other, then we've got to love God and obey his commands. And they're not loving God, and they're not obeying his commands. What they've effectively said is, God, we don't believe you. That's where it comes back, right? If you're not loving God and not obeying his commands, then, then you're not doing this. You don't believe him. That's the reason why you don't believe him. They're saying, God, we don't believe you. We don't trust you. God, our desires are more authoritative than your word. That's essentially what that says. Are they loving each other? No. They are pushing the one they claim to love away from God and from what would save them and from the God who would give them eternal pleasures and joy forever. 
Situation number three. This is going to hit a little closer to home. How about a permissive parent? So the parent that has got the toddler, you know, throwing a fit, wants his way, throws himself down. It's a good thing they're small and short to the ground because that would hurt. Have you ever tried it? You try to do that right now. Just throw yourself on the ground, you know, just drop a leg. Man, some of you guys, we'd have to call the EMTs, right? I mean, they can do it. They just throw them right in Walmart, bam, you know, and just, just to appease them, just come on, whatever, get it, whatever. Or how about the teenage mom and dad? This is a harder one. Oh, you just want, them, you want, you want your family to be friends. You want everybody to like each other. You don't want the constant conflict. And so what, what if you just give in? Well, are you loving them? Well, first of all, let's ask the question. Are you loving God? Well, you're not. Not if you're habitually disobeying his commands. You're saying what commands? Well, Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. He who loves him is diligent to discipline. See, why would Proverbs say that? Whoever spares the rod hates his son. I mean, I, I, just, I, I would say I don't know anybody that hates. I mean, I really don't. But Proverbs is saying, if you don't disobey, if you don't, if you don't obey the command, you're not loving him. For this is the love of God. Okay, so let's, let's read our verse again. By this we know that we, have lo- we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. All right, we got to keep going here. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Okay, so this is loving God. Now he's going this way. We keep his commandments. And then he adds a little phrase here to clarify. And his commandments are not burdensome. Now, let me ask you, what, is, what does that mean? What is, what is burdensome? Well, in, in the little Greek, it means heavy, weighty, troublesome. Okay, so can we all relate to that? Are, are, are God's commands just in our flesh, are they ever heavy, hard? troublesome, weighty, burdensome. I think we would all have to answer. I won't make you answer. I'll answer for us. Yes, they are at times, right? God's command to forgive. Is that ever hard to carry out? Is that ever like a sled that you're having to pull? Yes. God's command to bear with the failings of others, to turn the other cheek, to love your, your enemy. Man, those, some of those are really hard. Why are they hard? Because people are sinners. And they're hard to love sometimes. And I'm telling you, if your love is dependent on people being lovable or lovely, you're in trouble. Obeying God's commands can be heavy because of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Remember, remember John talking about these guys, okay? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world, the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in him. There it is again, okay? Verse 16, all that's in the world desires the flesh, desires the eyes, pride and possessions, not from the Father, but it's from the world. And so the world is always going to appeal to our sinful bent, right? The world's going to lie to us. It's going to tempt us. And it's going to make it hard to love people and to love God because the world's going to tell us that happiness is found in exalting ourselves and in lots of possessions and gratifying our fleshly desires, everything that's contrary to the law of God. The, the Bible's, the, the world's going to tell us that, that pleasure is, is found in disobeying God, going our own way. And if you believe the world, then God's commands will be burdensome. So let me play this out in a, a real story. We were, uh, 
We were on vacation a few months ago uh, over Christmas, and we jumped in the car, went to the Grand Canyon. Um, uh, we never planned very well. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, I, I plan out where we're going and stuff, but as far as motels, stuff like that, we just wait till the last minute. And so we had uh, gone to the Petrified Forest. We, we got stuck in a snowstorm in Gallup, got out of there, went to the Petrified Forest, went down in Sedona, dropped down a couple thousand feet, hiked until it was dark. I had to find our way back by our iPhone flashlights, drove back out of Sedonia Canyon. The kids are tired. We've, we've done all kinds of stuff, found a great Mexican food restaurant. It's like 8 o'clock at night, and now the planner is saying, hey, we got to find a place to stay. Let's let's get on our phone and Priceline, a cheapie. That's what we always do, you know? Bid 20 bucks, see what we get, you know? So we get on there. There's nothing available. We we say, okay, we're not going to do Priceline. We'll do Expedia or whatever. Nothing available, okay? We'll start going to places. Nothing available, okay? Uh, they'd had a big snow the day before. All of Phoenix, evidently, had come up to Flagstaff to ski. There's not a motel anywhere, okay? Anywhere. We, we call, we finally get through the motels, we find a kind of universal number that tells where there's a room anywhere. There is no rooms in Flagstaff. There's no rooms at the Grand Canyon. There's no rooms in any of the suburbs of Flagstaff. We finally find one room in Williams, which is like 40 miles on the other side. Find a room in Williams. Uh, one room at this lodge, like 300 by It's killing me. You know, I just go, okay, fine. You know, so we drive all the way there. I get in there and they ask the question, I mean, a lot of times they don't ask. Most of the time they don't ask. But they ask. They ask the question that every large family never wants to hear. Is it just the two of you? Okay. Man, I'm right here. I'm right here. Is it just the two of you? What does God's word say? We've been teaching the kids Wednesday night. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Don't lie. God's command says don't lie. But if I say, no, it's my wife and I and my five kids, we're not getting the room. We're just not. So what's the world saying? You know what the world's saying. The world's saying, that's a ridiculous rule, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous rule. I know there's one king bed. That's all we could get is one, is one king bedroom. That's a stupid, I'm renting the room. I should be able to do whatever I want in there as long as I do not damage it or damage anybody else or break any law, right? I should be able to just, whatever, you know, I'm going to leave it as clean as anybody else, as any couple. We're not going to use any more towels. We're not going to call. We're not going to ask anything. You're not going to hear anything from us. We're not going to bother anybody. We're going to get in there. We're going to go to sleep. We're going to go to Grand Canyon early in the morning. We're not, it, it's our prerogative. I'm renting the room, right? That's what the world is saying. They're saying, Jason, your kids are tired. They've been hiking. Your wife, she's tired. There's no other place to sleep. We're gonna, this means sleeping in the van. You gonna obey God's commands? That's what the world says. But let's, let me read on. Verse 4, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. We Nike, okay, you got Nikes on today. That's the word, Okay. Overcome, it means to, to overcome an obstacle. Okay, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what is that saying? When, when this is hard, our faith overcomes the world. Okay, so we got the world coming in on us. Okay, it's out here, 
And it's telling us you can't trust God. You need to do what you want. You know, you're your own boss. Motels are stupid, right? I mean, that's what it's telling us, okay? But John says our faith is going to trigger this. And it's going to make me love God, love my brother, obey his commands, love God. This all is going to go on when I believe. Faith says Jesus can take care of me and my family better than I can take care of me and my family. Isn't that what Jesus says? Jesus says that spending a cold night in the van is better than sinning against God, the God who loves me and sent his son. I mean, can you imagine me teaching the Ten Commandments to the Team kids, all the rest of the year, every time we get to number nine. Faith says God's working in ways that I cannot see, and I need to learn to trust him. Faith says God's working all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. Faith overcomes the world. Faith produces a love for God and a love for others that works itself out in obedience to his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. To the Christian. Why are they not burdensome? Well, they're done in the power of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? They're done where Jesus so transforms our, 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 our inner life. He so transforms our desires that they're not a have to anymore. Okay? If you're not a Christian, then this is something you don't get. You don't get that this peace right here is not a have to. You see, the way a lot of people try to get to God is they don't, they're not born of God. They don't believe. They just try to go obey some commands. No, 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 no. No. You see, a Christian, they're not burdensome. It's not a have to. It's not a make yourself. It's a I want to because I trust God and I love Him. And He loves me. And so He changes my desires. Put off the old man. Put off the new man by the renewing of your desires. That's Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Do things unto God's glory. Trust God's care. Trust His plan. You can have joy. You can delight in His Word. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. This faith overcomes the world. You're an overcomer. Notice, notice, my friends, 1 John, 1 John 5. How many times here? Let's count them. Verse 4 and 5, two verses. Everyone who's been born of God, number one, overcomes the world. Nike prevails, conquers, victory, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world twice, our faith. Who is it that, number three, overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son. This whole thing is fueled by faith. It starts here and it flows around like an engine. You believe, so you love him. You love him, so you love your brother. You love your brother, so you obey his commands. Or the other way, you believe, so you love God, so you obey his commands, which makes you love your brother. I mean, this is, it's going every way. It's going both ways. It, it's all, this, this is a continual circle. Our faith overcomes the world. You want to know what happened to the story. You still think, you think maybe I lied. That's why I'm not telling, huh? No, I said, nah, it's my wife and my five kids. No, you're not getting in the room. So, hey, you know what, though? It's okay. God's going to take care of us. I mean, for real, God's going to take care of us. We got gas. We can run the van all night, you know? I mean, it's all right. It's all right. In fact, I, I, I built a relationship, a friendship. When the guy told me you can't have it, you, you know when people posture themselves for a fight? He was doing that, you know? He was like already kind of getting, you know, and I just disarmed him. Like, ah, oh, it's okay. I, I understand, you know? 
hey, can you help me find something else? And so they, even, they both got on board. They tried. Uh, we tried for 20 minutes in there. They, they couldn't do any better than I could. They couldn't find anything either. And so we just got back in the car. I said, guys, we don't have a room. So let's pray. We're on the edge of the interstate. We'll pray. We prayed. My family, they're not concerned at all. They're not any help either, you know. They, they've condu- you know what they've done while we're in there? They've concocted this plan that uh, Haddon can sleep in the van. He always gets left out. Haddon can sleep in the van. And the other four, they said, we'll, we'll get a big coat or something, and we'll, we'll call ourselves the miracle, the, the four conjoined twins. It's just one kid. That, that's, the, that's the great help I'm getting from my family, all right? So they're having a great time with it all. So anyway, we get in the van. We, uh, I don't know anybody in Flagstaff, but I do know a pastor. I don't know him, but I, I knew of a pastor. That I read his sermons online. He's a great guy. Stephen Cole is his name. Pastor of some church in Flagstaff. I get on the internet. Thank, thank the Lord for smartphones. And I email him. I can't get a, a number to anybody, but I email him. Think, well, hey, it's 9 o'clock at night. Maybe he's studying a sermon like I'd be, and he's got his computer open. Maybe that'll pop up. I email him. Just tell him, hey, man, I'm a pastor. We got no place to stay. You know, could we, could we bed down in your church? That'd be okay. Okay, uh, he calls me back. Like 10 minutes, we talk a little bit. Turns out he's an avid hiker, camper. He's done that all of his life. We strike up a, a great conversation, tell him where we're going. He meets us up at the, at the church uh, with the janitor. They all come up there. We meet him there. We have like, uh, we weren't camping, but we always have stuff with us. We had like four sleeping bags and floor, four sleep, sleeping pads. He brings three. We didn't tell him to bring it. He brings I'm just brought a few things. He's got three. We bed down their fellowship hall. They got a fireplace place in their fellowship hall. It was really nice, all right? It was the best night of our trip, you know? We got in the big, and nobody's got to wait for the bathroom. We got an industrial kitchen in there. He hangs around, tells us all the best trails. God takes care of you, doesn't he? Our faith overcomes the world. So where are you at with this? Maybe, maybe you're over here. You got a command that you're having a real hard time obeying right now. Or maybe you're over here. You got a, a brother really hard to love right now. Or maybe you're up here. And, and you're struggling with, with your affection for God, trusting Him. Well, man, it all comes from here, doesn't it? Believing that He is who He says He is. And He'll do what He says He's going to do. When you're convinced of that, then you're going to love Him. You're going to love others. You're going to obey his commands. When you're obeying his commands, you're going to be loving others. And when you're loving others, you're going to be obeying his commands. And when you're obeying his commands, you're going to be loving God. And when you're loving your brother, you're going to be loving God. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to give us victory. God, give us an overcoming spirit. Father, when the world presses against us, when the world... tempts us not to trust you. Father, we know it's hard. It it can be hard to obey your commands. It can be hard to follow you, Father, but but I'm thankful for this word this morning that tells me that if we're loving you well, if we're trusting you, that you can turn that into a delight. God, give us delight. Give us joy in obeying your commands. Give us joy in trusting you in the hard things of life. Father, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please?